fight And we don't have to kill Everybody in the whole wide world Really just needs to chill No, we don't have to fuss No, no, no We don't have to fuss Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Just Chill with Oliver George. This is episode number 42. I'm very excited to share the conversation I had with this week's guest with you. But before we get to that, I want to remind you, if you're watching on YouTube right now and you would prefer audio only, you can hit that up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any place like that. And contrary to that, if you're listening to me right now and you didn't realize there was a visual side to the show, then please come check it out on YouTube. However you choose to enjoy this episode, I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe, like, follow, share, whatever the case is on the platform that you're using. It really helps me to keep growing the show and reaching more awesome people like you. So if you already have subscribed, thank you so much. Finally, if you want to reach out to the show for any reason, maybe you've got a cool guest idea or some general feedback, you can hit me up at justchillpodcasting at gmail.com. Now, for this week's guest, I had the great opportunity to sit down with the very talented, very interesting Ilona Smythe, who is CEO and founder of Smythe Casting, which has been around for more than a decade now, just crushing it and putting Ottawa on the map as far as film and television production is concerned. Um, So I was just so grateful to be able to glean some knowledge and insight from everything that Ilona knows about the industry. Uh, She was so nice and and answered a bunch of my questions. So uh, if you're into film and television stuff, please don't miss this episode because you're going to learn a lot. I learned tons and I had a great time chatting with her. So uh, enjoy. Thank you. Hello, how are you? Not bad, yourself? Good, I like uh, all your photos. Yeah, it's quite a nerdy room. I'm going through all the um, Marvel movies chronologically right now, so. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's a lot of them. That's kind of hard to do at this point. I mean, I'm a seven-year-old boy. I got to learn somehow, right? Yeah, oh, I've got kids too, and they definitely love them. I just showed uh, my youngest Infinity War, and I remembered how dark it was at the end, and I thought, okay, maybe this is a little little too advanced for him. They cry? Uh, no, actually, he was oh. oddly unmoved. Like, <laughs> that I would check into. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of parenting, man, I'm coming off of an overnight shift at the hospital. And then right before this, I'm like trying to get my notes done. And we catch my son. He's been uh, when he's supposed to be on virtual school. He was on like TikTok and YouTube. So I just just <laughs> came from this huge like dad talk. So I'm going to try and shake out that energy a bit hilarious i mean you can get mad at me if you want to (laughs) no way no i want to thank you actually so much because we had sort of like loosely scheduled a meeting way back like last march and then of course this darn pandemic hit and we were kind of uh, yeah no one of my best friends passed away february 25th last year oh and the pandemic hit and my best friend moved in with me um Cause we're like grieving. There's like a group of like four of us and her boyfriend broke up with her a week after her friend died. So oh, she's yeah. like, can I stay with you while he moves out? I'm like, totally. And then while she was staying in the pandemic and she's like, I don't want to go home. I don't want to be alone. I was like, hey, we'll live here. And then by like month five, I was like, so you should go home. <laughs> <laughs> that's a solid a friend move though. The fact that you let her stay with you, that's super. Oh, uh, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, um, I was going to say about the pandemic, uh, since then I've actually lost two friends just to like mental health issues and uh, suicide type stuff, overdoses sure. and shit like that. It's really hard right it's now. It's insane. Yeah. It's almost like worse than the disease itself, it seems. But I became virus. a full-time single mom in April and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, April was crazy. No one knew what was really going down. My fiance is an ICU nurse too. So it was like, we were terrified at the beginning because we didn't know like, are we going to kill our kids if she goes to work? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, we had no clue about nothing. I mean, we still don't really. Um, so I have a heart out at 340. Okay. I'll try and uh, power through here a bit then. Right. Does my um, kid and 
the tutor will show up and start practicing piano over here. So no, no worries. <laughs> yeah. I'll fully respect okay. that. Um, I mean, you have been making huge moves in Ottawa for over a decade with your company now, CEO and founder. You've worked with certainly nerd creds like John Watts. And uh, I've seen you with Anthony Mackie in a photo before. So uh, Jennifer Lawrence, just so many people, really super impressive. Um, and I understand you were into film from a very young age. You were an avid fan of classic cinema. And uh, beyond that, your dad's an entertainment lawyer. So it seemed like the seeds were planted for this career possibly a long time ago. And yet you went originally into early childhood education and psychology. So how did that trajectory career shift happen? So I think uh, I went to high school in a time when you didn't, I remember like grade 10, the teachers telling you like, okay, make sure you pick, cause we had like academic and then regular classes. So it was like, you know, pick your, um, Epidemic. Sorry, my my phone's telling me to breathe. Oh yeah, no worries. <laughs> Fair That's um, you know, they're telling you to pick academic or general, and depending on what you pick, you might not have a career if you don't pick it properly, and you can't do certain things. Right? There's all this like anxiety about what to do work-wise. Um, and I just didn't even know this was a job. To be honest, I was like, okay, nurse, lawyer. I mean, I couldn't have been a doctor, but basic things that you're brought up to know teacher whatever and so when it was time to decide I didn't know what I wanted to do and uh, I was blessed enough that my parents were willing to pay for my education because I didn't know what I wanted to do I didn't want to cost them university level funding so I decided to go to college and you know I'd always worked with kids and thought you know that'd be a good job for me and did that. And then when I graduated from my early childhood education, I went to um, psychology at Carleton and then switched to film studies and then dropped out to backpack Europe and then came back and started Smythe and never went back to class. Yeah. Cause even the choice, like you said, to be a casting director, a lot of people get into film and they'll go like, I want to be an actor or I want to be a director or, you yeah. know, a lot of the more sort of mainstream options. So what forced or caused you rather to, you know, go down that Avenue into being interested in casting specifically? Well, I think, uh, I am not an on-camera person. I think it's uh, too much for me. I would be bright red the whole time and feel incredibly uncomfortable. However, I mean, directing, I would love to be able to do one day uh, down the road. But for me, it's really just the nuances and the human experience of an actor and and what um, we see. It's like reading your favorite book and then finding, you know, the perfect cast for it. Um, and I was an avid reader growing up. So it's the same kind of um, take on for me. And then it's just finding those relatable human elements, right? We see an actor on a scene, you might see them in a square this big, but sometimes just knowing your line isn't enough, but bringing something that we find relatable to our own life or um, moments that we can understand really make uh, a big difference. So true. Um, And at some point after a few years of running your company, you were kind of burning the candle at both ends, correct? Uh, yeah, for a you while. hit kind of a, a spot where you had to make a tough decision and really like put everything mm-hmm. into the company. So I think it's, a, you know, for anyone who's an entrepreneur and it's so funny, I have friends now who, you know, I've been in business uh, just about 13 years and, you know, now my business is relatively successful. I've put a lot of hard work in it. There's been mistakes, sacrifices like anything else. Um, I didn't go to business school. So there's a lot of learning curves for me. Um 
However, a lot of friends come to me and are like, I want to open a business. And I'm like, great, like do it. These are good ideas. And they're like, I'm going to quit my job and forget everything and just start this company. And I'm like, yeah, maybe have much easier to, you know, have a job and take that time in between work to build your company, to know that you're going to be able to sustain it and live off of it. Right. Yeah, Sort of moonlighting your second sort of passion thing for a while. Exactly. Exactly. But, but at some uh, point you did hit sort of a, a crooks of like, I got to commit to the company or quit my other job. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was working in daycare and I would, you know, get up at 6am and I'd work till 930. I was doing before and after school care. And then I would work in between on Smythe casting, then go back to work and then come home and work even more. I didn't spend my twenties hitting up the bars with friends. You know, I'd convince my friends to come over. I'd buy us a couple bottles of wine. I'd be like, let's call extras. You know, like <laughs> that sounds kind of fun though. Forever. Yeah. Um, it can be. Um, so it's just after a while you're going to burn out, you know, you can only work that much without any you time and not take care of yourself. Um, and sleep is so important too. Oh my God, sleep. <laughs> I couldn't sleep uh, for a while there. And then eventually just decided it was time to quit the job that had, you know, the pension and the benefits. And I can kind of relate. I mean, I wasn't running my own company by any means, but I got married when I was like, uh, I had just turned or about to turn 23 and she mm-hmm. had just turned 22. So we were really young and had a kid on the way pretty quick and all that. So um, by my mid twenties, I was not sleeping at all because I was doing security overnight. And then I'd stay up like doing stay at home dad during the day. And I started losing like a big patch of my hair. So I shaved my head for a few years. And um, it just made me realize how integral taking care of yourself really is. You, you can't do that forever. Eventually it'll catch up to you. It's so simple. It, it really is. And I think too, again, I, I didn't have a business degree, just even learning to delegate, like, my staff is fully competent. They're fantastic. And they have been, but when I was younger to me, it was, I have to do everything. Whereas now, you know, I haven't booked background in years because I have a son and when I'm with my son, he gets the attention and I'll focus on the principal casting. And I know that under my guidance, you know, my staff's able to do it, but what's great is I've been doing this since, you know, I was 17, any job my staff has to do, I've done. So you have a problem, call me, we can work through it. Yeah knowing that firsthand experience hand things off that was a big learning curve for me yeah learning to delegate some of that and not have to be everywhere (laughs) at once yeah now when you quit your day job were you like absolutely terrified was it a huge leap of faith or did you kind of have a deep down feeling like this is going to work out i'm on the right path i don't know i have this like It's a big question, I guess. Yeah. Well, I have this like unusual sense of confidence. It's probably from my parents telling me I could be anything I wanted, but hindsight, uh, you know, my mother was, you know, raised by immigrants is like, listen, you don't leave a job that's got a bi-weekly paycheck. Stability. And, yeah. You know, she's like, you just don't do that. And I was like, yeah, I think I do. Um, so <laughs> try this and see what happens. Um, but no, I just, I think I just knew it would work. I also, had, I guess I have some kind of business acumen like within me that I can see something. And, you know, it's the same for actors careers. I I do one-on-one coaching with actors and we always start with a business plan. I now have this ability to look at someone's career and say, if you make some of these changes, these things might work better for you. And I was doing the same thing. I was looking at how casting was being done here. And I was like, listen, if we make some of these changes, I think it would be a way better business model and I'm going to be able to sustain this and take risks. Right. Yeah. That's all good advice. 
yeah. path to go down. Um, I actually wanted to thank you because you gave me some really good advice that I think has helped me with this show. There was, I guess, a year and a half ago or something. Our moms are in like the same crafting group. So my mom comes to me and she's like, I know you're looking to start acting. And I turns out I'm friends with Alona's mom. And so she basically, it felt like she set up a play date. Like I was very, very nervous to call you because it was like, if your mom's like, oh, you the girl down the street. Uh, you guys are going to go to the dance together. You know, it felt like I was, I was very appreciative that you took the time to humor that. And um, you actually gave me great advice about, you know, trying to be the big fish in the small pond as opposed to moving to you know, LA. Not that I could do that anyways with kids, but you know what I mean? I really took that to heart. And I started off by just interviewing awesome people right around Ottawa, great comedians locally, and, and just people that I knew had great stories. And from there, it's, it's become a little more Canadian, not just Ottawa. But uh, anyways, I just want to thank you for that because that advice has really helped me out. So welcome. I, I remember getting the phone call. My mom being like, remember that life I gave you? Um, do what I'm asking. <laughs> you like, right, right, right. Who do I need to call? Um, yeah. No, but I, I think it is really important. I think if you're passionate about something, you actually you know, it makes you happy and you're good at what you do. Um, if you just follow that instinct, I think everything else kind of falls into place and it never hurts to take risks. You know, when I started uh, my company and decided I really wanted to be booking leads and really be, you know, pushing the envelope outside of just Ottawa. Here's the thing, you know, talent's not geographical, but opportunity is right. So mm -hmm. I'm here. It doesn't mean I'm any less talented at casting someone if I lived in Toronto or if I lived in Vancouver, it's the same opportunity. People just need to know who I am and what I can do for them. Um, and you need good mentors. So I emailed, I went to IMDb and looked up, you know, my favorite movies, figured out who cast them. I emailed like 30 casting directors and said, I'm going to be in LA this week. I'd love to meet with you. And then, um, Meg Lieberman had a CBS casting and is the one who said, yeah, I want to, I want to meet with you. Wow. Whereas most, most casting directors didn't. And I sat in her giant office and she's sitting there blinged out and you know, she just, she goes, it's my job to know everyone. And that's, that's what awesome. I'm going to do. So, you know, the worst anyone's ever going to say to you is no. So just reach out and ask. Yeah. That's been my sort of uh, modus operandi for how I do this thing is, you know, mm -hmm. I, like what's the worst they say no okay but if they say yes it's amazing and that's actually happened a ton of times for me at this point where i've been talking with so many people i never thought i would get the chance to speak with you know yeah. yourself included uh i remember when i first did uh background acting for michael uh i think it was called michael everyday at that point it was like the oh yeah uh, well, michael tuesdays and thursdays michael yeah, that was the first yeah. thing i ever did and i remember uh going up to say hi and introduce myself at like the, the cast party thing downtown after. And I was so nervous to talk to you because I don't know, <laughs> no, you made a joke. I think that made me feel like it was a very Larry David moment. It was hilarious looking back, but you basically said something like, um, you know, everyone's having drinks. It was, everyone's having fun, but I went to the washroom and I saw you had set up um, these little cards for your, like one of the courses you were, uh putting on for hustling for sure yeah yeah exactly and i literally yeah. grabbed one because i thought that was badass and i i introduced myself and sort of said like yeah i'm thinking about taking this class or something like that and you basically made a joke as in like oh you're keeping that one for later kind of like <laughs> uh -huh. you know it's bank bank yeah. material or whatever and I, I just felt so like larry david curb your enthusiasm like because it, it was funny but i still didn't know how to respond and i was so nervous and, and i um, love making people uncomfortable yeah no looking back it's actually hilarious and exactly my type of comedy so right. um i'm funny they really don't <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I wanted to ask you before I forget, with casting specifically, what would be your advice to actors as like the biggest faux pas in an audition? Oh, okay. Uh, not uh, doing the work beforehand. So people assume like once you get cast, that's when the job actually happens. But the second you get your sides, which are the lines you need to learn for an audition, sometimes auditions in 24 hours. Um, sometimes it might be a cold read. If you, it's one thing to come and know your lines exactly. And, and that's great. Um, but that's not what I'm looking for. Again, I'm looking for the character. I want to feel what you're going through. I don't want to watch you thinking. So the biggest mistake is to not breathe. When I coach, I, I use a lot of breathing methods. So people come in and they'll go, da -da 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 and then finish and go, and they didn't breathe the whole time, which means I'm not breathing. There's no pacing. You're not present. You're not breathing. You're not confident. And I don't mean confident in maybe who you are, but confident in that you're an actor. This is your choice. Whether you're a, you know, a non-union actor and have barely done anything, switch that <laughs> in your mind. You are an actor. These are choices you made and the pacing of that scene is up to you, right? So it's understanding where the moments are between the lines the breath moments and, and breathing is like a universal language. Like I'm sure you've been in situations, uh, maybe your wife is pissed at you and you wake up in the morning and come to the kitchen and there's just no talking, but you can tell by the way she's breathing, she is pissed off or vice versa, right? You know, things are about to get real hot and heavy. Everyone's breathing changes. It's a universal yeah. language. If I held out the most beautiful diamond in the world, it doesn't matter what country you're from, everyone's reaction is going to go, that's beautiful. And you're going to breathe in. Yeah. Gasp you know, if you second. say, Alona, I don't like you, I'm going to go, okay, and I'm going to breathe out. And my shoulders are going to go down just a little bit. Yeah. When the camera's this close, it's so important to keep it minimal, but I want to feel, I want to relate to what's happening. So even if you don't know your lines perfectly, as long as you don't drop the character, mm. that's what I care about. Some of the best auditions I've seen, people have messed up their lines completely. And I didn't know, I'm not sitting there looking at the lines being like, what? That's not... It's not what they said. You're going to have to restart. It's like kids who did piano or dance. You know, if you got on stage and you did your recital and your hat dropped, you don't go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to yeah, stop the show. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to restart. And you put your hat back on and start again. That's not how it works. Yeah. You're just, and us as humans, we flub up all the time, right? It's, it's human nature. So just go with it and really fall into the character. So people who don't do the work, don't know how to properly break down sides, um, and then this one to me, and it's why I started doing these business plans is actors don't necessarily always understand where they fit. Right. And, and I've produced movies, um, I've cast movies, understanding where you are in the entire production process and what your part plays in it makes all the difference. Because if you don't understand what happens in pre-production in post-production and how movies get made, then you don't know your industry and it, it's super important to understand. Yeah. To so, be knowledgeable about the whole machine as opposed to just your little contribution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting just because I've just, just got an agent and started getting like auditions and sides and stuff like that. And uh, it's been weird in some way it's a blessing because of the pandemic, you know, for someone starting out like me, there's obviously less pressure when you're sending in a self tape and you can kind of, if you didn't like it, you can start again a lot more freely without any judgment. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I found it was 
I almost wished I had had more direction and I was almost longing by the end of it. I was longing for actual, you know, some, some feedback because you're just reading the script. And I was sort of thinking the same thing. Like I should just go with the character. If I change a couple wordings here and there, probably not a big deal, but I'm so new to this that the other part of my brain was like, or they'll get super pissed because you're messing with their script that they love or, you know what I mean? Um, so it, it's, it's definitely, there's a lot to figure out for someone new like me. I can speak to that. So uh, take my class. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I, <laughs> like, sounds like great advice. What I'm saying is it's being smart about it, right? Don't change what's happening. Like I tell people to do a flow chart, you know, especially if you have trouble memorizing what happens, like key points that if you lose track, you go back in your mind to that five-step flow chart to figure out what's going on with your character. Mm. Look at the breakdown. If the writer is also the director and they're in the room, then maybe focus a little bit more on the lines. But those moments before and the moments after and the moments between the lines is really how you're turning the square space into what we believe is actually happening, Mm. right? Um, And I think to, where's my brain going with this? Um, Yeah, the other thing is, is, a lot of times too, when the casting session actually happens and actors forget this, it's usually the first time we're hearing these lines out loud. Oh, really? And I've sat in hundreds of casting sessions and I'm sitting there with the director who may also be the writer and someone comes in and they read and you might be the first person up for this one role and we're listening to you try to say this sentence that just is doesn't come out properly. And as you say, you're like, there's no way anyone would say it this way. Yeah. And, you know, the writer will look at me and be like, we gotta, I gotta change that line. And then we might change it for every other person coming through because we've realized it isn't. So just understanding that, yeah, the script's been worked over a few times, but it's very rarely we've heard it out loud. So it's again, understanding the whole process of things really Mm -hmm. helps, yeah. Yeah, it really does. It'll take a lot of that anxiety out. Plus with the breathing, I encourage everyone, you know, who, who I coach to do meditation because, you know, the more you learn to control your breath, and it's not necessarily about clearing your mind, but it's that breath control in itself, helps you so much that you can walk into a room. And even if you're feeling anxious, you can use that anxiety somewhere in the character hmm. or learn Redirect how to turn yeah. down. Right. And when our emotions change, our breathing changes. I don't know if you've ever had an anxiety attack. Oh yes. Frequently. Yeah. yeah. I have OCD and, and anxiety up the wazoo. Totally. So. so then you don't, you don't breathe. So to try to explain to an actor who's never experienced an anxiety attack, what's that like? Well, I'd be like, well, hold your breath and do 20 jumping jacks. Yeah. Right? And we're going to start there. Yeah. <laughs> if your breath and everything isn't changing, then, then you know, your heart rate, everything, everything changes. So it's really trying to embody those, um, not out to make a- actors pass out, but you know what I mean? Like just yeah. those moments. So yeah. The I mean, advice that I've given myself since just doing a couple of these things is to try to develop a bit of a thicker skin, which I'm sure will help me in comedy too. But just because, you know, they don't, if you don't get the part, they, it's not like they send you an email being like, here's why we went with someone else. So you just have all these questions floating around in your head. Like, did I do this wrong? Or did they just find someone who was more the look they were going for? You know, um, it's a lot of anxiety there potentially if you let it eat you apart, you know? Right. Also, I just think if you, get to see if it is like, I don't want to say a privilege because it sounds like ego of me, but like you're given the opportunity to break up your day and play for five to 10 minutes. Like when we were kids, you exactly. know, like we'd make believe and we play and then your friend would leave and you'd go about your day. Yeah. That's, That's all it is. You get to play for five to 10 minutes and then put it out of your mind because something else will come up again. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's great advice. 
Um, I wanted to ask you specifically, since you are a casting director, how have you found the whole pandemic and the remote auditions? What are the pros and cons there, in your opinion? So lonely. <laughs> but isn't it, it kind of nice that now if you get like a submission from someone and you have like no interest, there's no awkward like, yeah, we'll, we'll call you or any of that. You just don't respond, period, right? Yes and no, because there's self, like I'm so dependent on self-tapes now um, that... You know, someone might be bad, but their nerves might be making them really good. So in an audition, you know, someone might come in and I'll be like, oh, they're really good. And then if I make them do it again, they cannot hit the same notes because the heart rate, the breathing, everything made it like Larry David awkward fun, but they couldn't recreate it once they got comfortable. So there's that element that sucks. It sucks with kids in the sense that, you know, when I audition kids, half the time I want to know who the parents are. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not be able to do the like, crazy stage mom, stage dad check uh, at the same time. And I'm just getting a little snippet. I don't know what, cause they come as a package on set. I don't yeah. know how it's going to be like for my clients. Um, I love it in the sense that, you know, I have no dinner plans. I can watch, I'll, up, I'll allow way more people to self tape than I would trying to fit them into a schedule because I can well, sit true. on the couch and, watch as many self-tapes as I want and come across a diamond I might have not met. Um, But then Zoom auditions are awkward too, because now now I'm like, there's three dots in the corner. You're going to hit that. uh, You're going to pin your reader. And then we're all going to like, there's just so much more to explain. And people are like setting up in their family room, holding their phone, trying to, you know, it's not the same where they come into room and I have everything lit and set up properly for them. I also used to go to set once every movie. I think this is, the first year in my life since I was 17, I used to be on set at least once a month. I have not been on set for a full year. And I'm like, this is so weird. Yeah. That must um, be huge. Yeah. So I miss, you know, just seeing people. I'm a social person and getting to know actors conversationally. Yeah. Um, and understanding who they are. It's helped when I've cast in the past. Man, we just got to hope for the vaccines at this point then. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Who knows when though? Good Lord. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, uh, you touched on like child actors and I wanted to bring that up because I've seen posts from you in the past warning people about these like agencies and talent agencies that often are targeting kids. It seems that are trying to look like they're reputable, but in the end, they're just scamming people for money essentially. Right. So I just want to know if there's red flags you could kind of. Yeah. So I'm not allowed to tell you like what agency to go to, what agency not to go to. I signed a thing with ACTRA, which is the Actors Union. But what I can do is tell you what to look for in an agent. Um, But I mean, red flags off the bat is if they're telling you to meet you at a hotel and they're talking about like Nickelodeon, whatever, if they turn to you and they're like, we're going to take it to New York and it's going to cost you $2,000 or headshots or 800 bucks, but they're in-house or anything like that. Yeah. That's sketchy. No agent is going to charge you to join an agency. It shouldn't cost you a thing. Okay. So if you're being charged to join an agency, that's a problem. Uh, Industry standard, 15% is uh, the commission you pay your agent. Uh, Theater, I believe is 10%. I don't know. I don't do theater. It's just what I've seen on the like, um, what do they call it? Uh, The like actors. No, the agent Tamak, the agents like. There's no actually like ruling. There's no one who's going to come out and tell someone they can't be an agent. They just won't be on Actra's website, which is the actor's union. The best is to go to the source. Again, if you know the business, if you go to the actor's website and you look at our, 
our community, our resources, it'll tell you what agencies they approve of. Mm. So if the agent's not on there, that means actor doesn't side with how they run their, their situation. Um, you know, you want to make sure finding a good agent's like finding a good therapist, finding a good boyfriend. You want to make sure, um, that you guys are on the same page, right? You're both working towards a common goal. You want to look up and take the time to research the casting directors who you want to be in front of. So look up the Canadian shows you love or the shows. I mean, 90% of what I cast is American based, but look up what shoots in Toronto, in Ottawa, in Montreal and figure out in Sudbury, anywhere you'd be willing to work locally, figure out who's casting these shows and make sure your agent knows them well enough to pick up a phone and say, hey, you need to see my new client. If they don't know these people that well, then they can't push you forward any more than you can. Look at their rosters. Are anyone who looks just like you, but has you know full actra and a hundred credits, who are they pushing? It's not going to be you. Yeah, right? for real. Um, you also, you know, want to look at who their most successful person is on their roster, and if it ends if they up even have you, any, yeah. Or if it ends up being you, you know, five years down the road, then, you know, it might be time to move on. Once you're the smartest person in the room, you, you got to go to the next room, right? You're yeah, yeah. Go, just so important. Um, they should encourage you to train. They should encourage you to get good headshots, um, but not force you on any one specific place. Okay. Yeah. That's all awesome advice. I've been yeah. really happy with uh, my agent that I have now for the last couple of weeks, Lisa Muser. She's... Mm -hmm been already getting me really oppor great opportunities that, uh, you know, I'm trying my best at, but they keep coming. So that's all I really wanted. Um, well, that's where you know, you're, you know, it's working for you. Um, another thing too, is to ask your agent what they ask for at time of, um, once they book you, like, so you call and you know, Lisa calls you and says, congrats, you, you got booked and you go, oh, okay, great. Thanks so much. And you hang the phone, but that's, you should now, now it's time to negotiate. Right. So you uh -huh. go, Oh, okay. That that's wonderful. Uh, these are the questions I'd like you to ask the casting director in booking me. You probably at the beginning of your career can't really be negotiating rate. That's not yeah. you know you don't have yeah. a name value. But there are things that are really important you ask that are going to help move your career forward. So um, I would like a link to the copy of this film or TV show once it's done and once it's aired. That way you can use that for a demo. So when you're piecing a demo together, you're not pulling it off, you know, the internet where your mouth is moving and the voice is coming 10 minutes yeah, later. Yeah, it looks way more professional for sure. Quality, it just should be asked for. And you say, anytime you book me, I want to make sure I have that so I can start building it. Um, you know, sometimes you can ask for your wardrobe and you can ask for guaranteed days, right? Say your role's five days, ask for at least two guaranteed days. If the role gets cut or it gets cut down to one. Oh, interesting. Two. So these are things people should ask for, but a lot of actors who don't take the time to learn the business don't even know to ask that. Well, it's scary. Uh, you know, when you're first starting out, especially if you don't have like a lot of credits to your name, you kind of feel like you're at the mercy of anyone who's willing to even see your potential at all. You know, I, I felt like my whole resume going into that was the background stuff I did for that show. And then I, I, got into another casting for Smythe casting, which I played guitar in rock and roll Christmas. I was like the guitar oh, player. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was such a great experience. And that's what made me realize like, Oh my God, I really, really want to pursue this because I like doing comedy, but it still makes me uncomfortable, even though I've done it like off and on for six years now. Whereas mm -hmm. after a couple hours of doing that role, I was like just having fun and I was so at ease and I was so like, 
just like, yes, this is it, you know? So maybe it's cause you can do multiple takes. I've talked about this before. I think comedy there's for someone with anxiety, there's a lot of pressure of like, if you start to bomb or shit the bed, it's pretty hard to turn it around. Whereas acting, I mean, you can at least say, okay, can we take that again? You know, to, to a degree, of course. Some of the best actors I've met are comedians. And mm. I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but you already have anxiety attacks in your back pocket. So it's, a, it's actually like a bonus for you as an actor. True. Yeah. I used to pre pandemic tell actors I coach, go and do a stand up day, uh, write something. Maybe they're not funny, but go and do it. That feeling of everyone not jiving with you yeah. and that energy that room creates to be able to understand what your body's going through when that happens can be magic on screen if you can recreate it. Yeah, definitely. Right? Well, they so, say it's huge to learn to be uncomfortable or be comfortable in the uncomfortable. I've heard that with comedy a lot. Yeah. So I think there's, I mean, a lot of advantages, but a good agent will know what they can and can't ask for at what stage you are at, but you just need to make sure your agent is going to be asking those questions. Okay. Right. I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep an eye on the time here. I'm like, I got eight minutes. I got a few questions. I'm trying to prioritize now because there's one we do at the end of every episode, each season, the question changes. So I got to get that in, but I think I can fit something else in here. Um, I wanted to talk briefly about uh, the new sound stages they're going to be building because I was researching that a bit. There's going to be four of them that are 20,000 square feet, even bigger office buildings. Um, so what impact do you think that's going to have on the Ottawa film scene? And, and where do you think we're going to be in say five, 10 years from now because of that? I mean, if it happens, I think it'll be huge. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, they were turning away uh, shows in Toronto because they just didn't have enough sound space. So even like Peter, whose last name I can't say, it's the longest Greek name ever, who is funding the one that's coming here. Uh, he owns Tribros with his brothers. Um, they ended up getting like unused air hangers in Toronto and converting them into sound spaces so that- Oh, cool they were able to bring more stuff in. Get Bruce Harvey on here, Ottawa Film Commissioner. He can talk to you more about it. Um, cool. We have a verbal agreement that our office will be there. So that'll be great. The location is great too. It's pretty close to the airport. It's and close yeah. to my house, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's an added bonus, yeah. <laughs> Convenient for me. I'm like, listen, where's it going? Cause then I'm out, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's great. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Um, okay, uh, I wanted to ask you, if there was any really famous movie role from anywhere in cinematic history that you think is horribly miscast. Oh God. Oh, like one that really sticks out. I mean, not to like shame another casting director, but pick one who's already dead. <laughs> uh, who, this is a tough one. I'd have to think. I don't know if we have my think time. Uh, horribly miscast. Like one that really stands out like, Oh God, what were they thinking? You know? As, and like a successful one too. I guess that doesn't happen that often, but I want to say if you would slip through the cracks. I don't know, Fifty Shades, Jamie Dornan, probably. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that. I haven't read the book either. I guess it, I mean, I'm not the, the books are all the same. I was like, oh, same over and over. But uh, yeah, like even like if you see the preview, you're like, oh yeah, nice body, nice body, and then you see his face, and you're like, oh, the boy next door. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, not edgy enough. I don't know. It just didn't work for me. I mean, I guess it's preference. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's no worries. Hey, that's an answer. But here, I can tell you this much. When you see a movie and you're like, oh, who cast this? It's not the casting director who's made this final choice, by the way. 
Okay. It is not. It is our job to guide the director into it. But I've had people cast because they are the girlfriend of the producer. I have people cast because they are the son of the director. Um, you know, they're Seems shady. Seem shady, but it happens that they're financing the movie. Yeah, I guess. You do about it. And maybe they're actors and part of the union. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I've been in situations where I've recommended one actor and then I've seen another one get it based on Instagram followers. I've recommended oh, one actor and then seen someone else get it. And then the producer call me and say, how could you let this happen? And I go, uh, please see a previous email where I tell the director not to pick that person. So again, it's understanding the industry. So the director might even have picks, but it, it's not even the director's choice on some of these things. It's the network's choice. So there's oh. always a hierarchy. So if you as an actor don't understand and you're holding resentment towards a casting director, a director, you might not even know they had no choice in it, right? So really understanding how it works on that side is going to really relieve a lot of anxiety, I think, for actors going in the room and just understanding you got to let go. It's out of your hands. Yeah, I think that's going to be my biggest takeaway from this conversation is just all the times you've come back to really trying to learn about the whole industry and the whole, you know, the whole thing as a whole, as opposed to just the parts I'm interested in for me, you know? Um, okay, well, I'll ask you the, the season two question here, which is if you could have dinner with somebody you've never met at any point in history, it can be someone who's dead or whatever, uh, who would it be and why? Never met them. Yeah, just because they I don't want people to be like, my grandma or something, you know. They have to be dead? No, they don't have to be dead. Just someone you've never oh. met before. But it could be like 500 years ago if you wanted to meet someone, I don't know, King Arthur or something. Uh, I'd probably say like Queen Elizabeth. Oh, right uh, on. Not because... I just recently watched the crown, but <laughs> like because she's like a badass bitch in a lot of different ways. And she has seen and met all the people. So I could be like, Oh, I want to meet this celebrity. And this, I'm like, that girl's met them. She's got stories. She's, yeah. Yeah. She's been through it. She's seen the crazy stuff, you know, that's a great know. answer. No, yeah. thank you so much. And like, we're just, just at three forty almost now. So but I have to get her drunk enough that she'll answer any one of my questions. All the sloppy details. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, yo, thank you so much again for coming and talking to me. I really appreciate yeah. it. And hopefully we can do this again sometime in person when uh, things subside with all the craziness. But absolutely. And if you uh, need any more advice, uh, feel free to reach out. Now it won't be a forced mom phone call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you right. go. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye, you too.